Hello, my friends. Nigel, particularly another hello to you. Good morning, sir. Surely by now we can just take a snippet of the hello bit, put it on replay and save myself, you know, some breath. Uh, who's saying I haven't already done it a couple of times? <laughs> <laughs> All right, no, we don't need to optimise that amount of breath just yet. Um, Nigel, what is the team, what are the... What are the comments? What have we been seeing through our channels this week? What the hell's everyone's problem? All right. So we're on profit finding, which means people have been sending us in problems. And strangely enough, the uh, big problem, I've, I've, we've got a lot of them coming in, so I've lumped them all together. And who would have thought uh, people are wanting more sales. They're not making enough money. Oh. That's the general theme. Oh, this is easy. There was actually an email that was just simply said, I don't make enough money. Oh. I mean, this is this is going to be the shortest podcast of literally all time. Well, here it is. Believe and you'll receive. <laughs> and you just heard the day the podcast died. And we'll see you all next week. <laughs> just keep believing. Can you put a don't stop believing soundtrack? Did you just use a Glee reference? I don't know. I don't watch Glee. <laughs> is that still on? Incredible. It's on Netflix and repeats. Oh, okay. So. <laughs> Some of us don't have time for that, Nigel. I thought you were busy. No. Um, in all seriousness and uh, I'm not having a go at manifestation and fun and all that, I, but I do believe you actually have to put it into the physical and do some work. Yeah. Um, but let's take a start here, which is a lot of people, um, probably a majority of people have got the same sort of base feeling, I need to make more money. Yeah. It doesn't matter what size business you are, you always need more money because your business eats it. Not only eats it, that our, um, our here we go, now we're going straight back into the manifest, our consciousness expands when we get more money and we can see how much more we can spend. So, <laughs> which, so it's, 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 a, it's a beast that is never full. Um, so for all of us who are self-funded people, uh, business owners um, and for those listening, you know that at times we've also taken on investment but uh, our or my strategy has been always self-fund as far as you can go and then use um, enhancers, um, external capital, um, other triggers to fast-track businesses. So um, for those of you who are in the self-funding phase, and you're sitting there and thinking, I really need to make more money because you might be in the mindset at the moment of, you know, should I actually be continuing on with this business? And it's not, it's just for you guys out there that might be small or micro businesses. It's a feeling that you get even if you're making multiple millions of dollars. I'm talking about revenue. Obviously, if you're making multiple millions of dollars and you're still thinking, I need to make more money. Well, I think that's a good mindset from a point of view of, you want the leader aspiring to make more money. It's not necessarily to have more money themselves. Like to me, I've really got the feeling that there's great business people generally when they get enough to feel secure in their own personal lives actually become very, very generous. They actually do a lot of um, things that people don't see in you know communities and, and, and just initiatives that we never hear about. I mean we look at a lot of the things that happen um, – through the media and we see, oh, that person donated to that, that person donated to that. But a lot of that's driven by PR and yeah. with, with absolute due respect to those people still donating. I don't want to take away. I actually couldn't give a crap that they're getting PR from it. I, as long as the money's going to people that need it at the time, I'm good with yeah. that. But 
a lot of the serious business players in the world you would have never heard of. You would never know they are even in your communities. You never know that the type of um, the type of enterprise they actually run. I mean, you see every so often in the paper someone who's passed away and they had you know forty or fifty million sitting there in assets yeah. that they've been accumulating, but they'd been a humble worker working for someone for every year. They just they invested right, or they yeah. did something, or you know, I know families that are particularly holding you know multiple generations of money you would have never heard of nor would you think they are as wealthy as they are yep i'm talking about seven eight nine figure type month returns on their you know their businesses and and all the of their things they do so the perception when we're smaller businesses or we're at a point where we need more money we have to work out first of all let's let's track that thought back and work out where that needs coming from and the need could be well literally people are harassing me and and ringing Mm -hmm. you know there's um i don't want to discount that there can be very stressful times where you need money because um the need for money is actually a real world problem for you and you need to survive so i don't want to dismiss this or make it sound like this is easy because we've all gone through learning periods in our life where the need for money was basically our highest need because it was a survival mechanism which is essentially why when we want money it's more survival or because we're frustrated that we know if we had money that we could grow whatever we're doing or expand or we feel we're held back which is a good problem to have. The only the caveat with that is a lot of people think they need money to solve their shitty business problem. Um with all due respect to your shitty business problem (laughs) Um, because it's more a lot of the problems that people think they need money for aren't money problems, they're leadership problems and experience problems. And you can't sort of grab the experience problem quickly if you actually don't know that's your problem. So I want to – I just want to be respectful today because around money – money, money, who's money? (laughs) Around money um, people can become emotional. Oh, most definitely, yeah. Um, you know, has anyone heard of the phrase? There's a, it's, it was a money problem. Like it's, there's always a money problem. If I said, think of five people that you know have had some form of money problem, a fight over money, someone ripping them off over money, a bad investment, they ran out of money, whatever it is, it's just so prevalent because yeah. we're. Having more of it doesn't change anything, but having better control of it does. Absolutely. But also there's a, um illusion of wealth out there because we are so debt-laden as a society that it essentially keeps us all in line. Like, <laughs> well, I don't want to get into this. This is probably... <laughs> why did you bring it up then? <laughs> I'll tell you why. Because um, it the whole, the whole system's built to support a society which is there's there has to be mechanisms in there it's it's actually quite difficult to support humanity as a whole because we've never done it before to this point yeah so to be fair as much as we're critical around government as much as we're critical around big business as much as we're critical around all this stuff i mean <laughs> there's there's a level of you know what it's it, there's a level of difficult choices that we would ne- we don't understand would never have to make but everyone can feel that they can call call judgment on it. 
essentially. There is, and that's our right as a, yeah. and we're lucky enough as a democracy to still give our opinion. But the but the the reality is when something major goes, um, we're pretty happy that some of the infrastructure that was a waste of money at a time or it was prioritised there that we're all, you know, we're all comfortable. So I don't want to, you know, I'm not someone who's going to beat up governments either side or whatever it is. I, I don't think that's the place here. But when we're talking about society as a whole, we're debt laden. I mean the whole game's basically to get the average Joe into enough sustainable debt to take that debt to a point where they die, that their assets from the debt can be then recouped and it starts again with the next generation. So the money machine of whatever it is, is that's essential, particularly in our, our society, and I should talk about Western society, which I'm probably more um, – might be more educated as in I live in it at the moment. <laughs> um, but there is that game and you can see that. People strive to get an asset which might be real estate and in some countries that's not even possible because real estate's so difficult to attain and particularly here in um, Melbourne. I mean, it's horrific. It is absolutely horrific to try and, you know, get the old Australian dream which was I'd like to get an asset, grow a family. It's, it's similar to I guess the American dream a little bit which is, People want their own piece of the world and they want to go for their dreams and that's it. But in Melbourne where um, <laughs> it real estate is uh, – I can't remember. I don't want to be quoted but I think it's it's in the top five of most expensive real estate yeah. in the world. It is seriously overpriced and horrific and if this podcast goes out before the next GFC, um, I might be wrong. But <laughs> at the moment it, it is so inflated and you can see how difficult it is. I mean we've been um, – looking over some real estate at the moment and it just the inflation levels are, are scary, are really scary but you can see the the behaviours are changing for people because you can see that the people who are buying a, you know, a house for a million, 1.1, 1.2 million, the way they're looking at it is this is going to be my only house ever yeah. and all I have to do is sustain this for the 40 years I'm here and we won't move anymore. It'll be real estate. We'll never get rid of this type of thing. You can see there's a new type of buy. You can see people are paying inflated prices because they understand where the interest rates are and they're going to hold it forever and that's their plan. So if you go out there as an investor or if you go out there looking to buy that, it, there's still opportunities there. But if you're competing against someone who is in that mindset, they can afford to pay a lot more. It's a different investment because it's a emotional investment that sets up their life. Why would you pay an extra hundred grand if you can? Because who cares? It's not a bad investment. You know, look at so. I don't want to get too sidetracked, but I can understand why people want more money, particularly um, where we are here, is because it's bloody expensive. I mean, it's four dollars fifty a coffee in Melbourne at the moment. Yeah, for, in the inner city for a small coffee. I just realised I was buying coffees for, you know, we come in here and buy four coffees a morning. Guys, do you want a coffee? Do you want a coffee? And I looked at the other day, what if I, what am, where's all that? Oh, okay. <laughs> That's four a day, twice a day times this. I'm like, not that I care. It was just, oh. It, it but there's just, it's, it's that expensive enough that because we've got a, we, that culture where if you go out, you offer people a coffee. Yeah. And you kind of go, well, it's a busy morning in the office. Maybe yeah. I'll, I'll hold off for a little yeah. while today. We'll let someone else take that <laughs> hit to the stomach. But not because it's a 450, but it's a consistent thing of if you're doing it three to four times a day. <laughs> if there's 10 people in the office. <laughs> it'd be cheaper to take the day off work. Anyway. 
But in your business, if you're someone there who's really struggling or never been able to create cash or excess of cash or more revenue or you feel you've um, capped your where you believe you can get your business to, I, th- I think I'd like to share a little bit of a story because money wasn't very easy for me, um, particularly in my 20s to make and it, I think it's probably set me back a decade personally to where I wanted to be because I, I remember making the conscious decision when I was about 16 that I really wanted to um, focus on being able to create money and wealth. Um, was very lucky to go to a great school, um, very lucky that I have very hardworking parents that um, helped me go to school. I was lucky enough to get a half scholarship to that school so that helped being able to go there. So it was good but I really made a conscious decision that I'd prefer to make more even if I wasn't enjoying what I was doing. Mm. So for me picking a university um, degree was more around where I thought I could earn more but um, I guess also be a little entrepreneurial and so the – because when I went through it and I came back with here are the options that um, I'm going, my parents were like, why, why do you want to do that? And I really want to say because I think I can make more money there and also – because I told the careers person that I basically wanted to run companies and uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, which they were very keen that I'd probably got a job and just did the right thing since they went to all the effort to um, send me to a great school where you can actually <laughs> find a good employment and not work as hard as they have. However, that wasn't my path and um, luckily so. <laughs> um, but what I want to get back to is I found it difficult in my 20s because I had the flippant attitude of whatever you had I'll gamble on the next opportunity or idea and then something will work doesn't always work because if you keep if you lose your stack every time not that I ever went into debt but if you lose your stack and have to start again actually getting that early capital back I don't think you should be as flippant. So I understand this because I was basically turning the corner at you know mid early 30s and sitting there and I'm like I really am starting again. Yeah. You know, it was a little bit backwards and we'll go into that in detail one day but so I understand what it is like not to have um, – I was going to say anything but I had a lot. I just didn't have capital because you had a lot. You had good friends, had a supportive yeah. family. So there's a lot of advantages that um, I don't want to undervalue because I know not everyone has that opportunity. So you have to take um, uh, support in other areas. Hopefully this is – part of that support is just hearing other people's stories and, and realising that this is pretty normal how you're feeling. But for me personally, it was a very scary thing um, uh, for someone who for 12 years been focused on really wanting to be successful in an area in terms of personal wealth, essentially having nothing um, and some debt to be honest and as I said, I'll talk about that in another podcast but how do you make money from that? And for me, the next five years was a much better acceleration and a bigger acceleration than any part of the last 12 years. And the reason for that is just starting to understand some of the fundamentals of what drove um, – revenue creation then profit creation and then using that capital to better work um, for you and then working out what mechanisms to keep going because as I said we're not um, I'm personally not where I want to be Um, but I guess on some level it would be okay to stop 
okay. if you know what I mean. It's yep. it's it, it's not a the the game now is about wanting to accelerate and build something because I want to see if it can be built rather than the even the jumps in um, personal uh, wealth over the last few years and having some you know some offers for our company and doing things like that in other areas being able to grow a company with my wife, being able to luckily enough to have a very, very smart wife who also runs her company really well. So <laughs> being a passive, uh, uh, being a passive, um, being a passenger on there and still collecting dividends is really good. So there's been some really nice little... No, playing the role you need to play rather uh, than the role that... Sorry, playing the role you should play rather than the role you needed to play yeah, at the time. Yeah, yeah, So but Don't undervalue yourself. No, I, no. You're I, great. Well, listen. <laughs> just you can, if you could put that little snippet on repeat, I might just put that on my phone <laughs> as my new ringtone. But so, if you're sitting there and 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 wondering how do I make more money, why don't we start with some fundamentals? Yeah. Why don't we start with first of all, why aren't you making money? So, I'll go back to when we started um, our agency, which I like to use as an example because it's got some very point blank, simple. Um, examples to to look at which is we started there and we were 125 dollar a week service to businesses this was about a decade ago when social media started and we were 125 dollars a week and we were doing everything for people content um we were doing community management we were doing advertising we were doing my god we're doing (laughs) people doing influencer reach out we were doing coordination with marketing people and we thought we were geniuses absolute geniuses because it's when we began the business and um at the time lana just moved from her job so we were happy just to bring in any revenue the only goal was to replace her wage and we figured geez this is this is a pretty good price we reckon we could walk in and get a few customers early and even if we had to work pretty hard it'll give us a chance to look at the business so that's what we did and we're 125 dollars a week which is for that type of service and anyone who's running a digital agency will go how can you run that for a company where we're probably paying our interns that a day (laughs) and it's going to take you how many hours now the one good thing we did have in the background because we're not complete fools is we were very systemized so we did have a, a bit of a competitive advantage that we could do some of this stuff slowly but we did have a slight advantage there nothing that um, made the model work but it was it was always the idea of being highly systemized in terms of our delivery so we could cut down all the interactions and and the efficiencies would make us allow us to put in some volume so we did some things right but at the time we had three packages which was a $65 a week $125 a week and a $250 a week and the 250 was like someone signed up for it once and we're like Oh my God, this is <laughs> unbelievable. Unbelievable that we're getting paid for this because our system has started kicking in and it was still hard work. Don't get me wrong. We're, like, we're doing huge amounts of work and we're constantly on our laptops and that should be fair. Lana was constantly on her laptop. <laughs> I was constantly giving advice, all that sort of stuff. But it was such a big deal but we weren't really making any money because we got to a point of replacing her wage. And it was okay and it was just um, the two of us really working in it before we brought on our first uh, intern slash employee. And I remember thinking at the time like how on earth like is this actually going to work and 
deep down we knew it was. But I know I had a um, a bit of a block around at the time thinking people were really capped at 250. That felt like a lot of money. And when we got a 250 type client, it it just was – it felt like there wasn't many of them. And I know a lot of people listening going, you just had no idea, did you? I go, yeah, you're probably right. I mean, I think we were probably so far for what we were providing. We just didn't do enough research to be honest in terms of what others were providing. But at the time, there wasn't a lot of people doing that. So yeah, there wasn't. You were early in the market. We were early. So we were early, but we were cheap. Yeah. Um, because literally, it was going to be a bit of a hobby. We just needed London to make money, and I had a um. Uh, I had another company at the time and that was going to be the one that, you know, really drove us. So who cares? Just do your thing. <laughs> um, and w- for us to make more money, we had three options. So in most businesses, just, you know, the crudest way is how do I get more clients? So the first thing is I want to bring in more revenue by getting more clients. And we've discussed different sales tactics. We've discussed different ways of attracting clients, all that sort of stuff. And there's plenty of info for those who check out all the social media channels. There's information on sales, sales tactics and all of that. Nigel, I think we'll probably do that to death by the time we're done. Yeah, it seems to be an area of interest for people. <laughs> yeah, and but in this case for us, it was really understanding the value. So instead of just trying to attract more clients, we wanted to see if there was a cap. And we got some advice at the time because we were, you know, we see consultants as part of what we do and, and basically they challenged us to double the price of our offering. And I was pretty um, uh, forthright in them being morons. Um, <laughs> we call it being Tim about it. <laughs> yeah, and, and, and probably a sign of my immaturity and scarcity at the time that things were sort of going well but they didn't understand what we were doing and they didn't understand <laughs> essentially essentially every client I had now. Yeah. <laughs> I was just about to ask. So the good thing is I feel qualified to talk to our clients because I, I basically um, – was the same moth <laughs> turning into a butterfly? <laughs> oh, time to get a butterfly tattoo, Nigel. <laughs> no, oh, not another one. <laughs> That's a joke, though. Now somewhere my mum's just gone, what? Tim, you idiot. It's okay, Andrea. Yeah. <laughs> I'll send you a photo. Um, so the second option if you need to make more money is where am I creating more value? And the challenge we had with this consultant was double the business. So we left um, with that challenge and me telling them, you're an idiot and this is, you know, this is not really consulting when you're just saying double my prices. Mm. And it, to be fair, we there was a little bit of tongue-in-cheek because we were looking forward to trying the experiment but also it just sounded 250 was think of your whatever um, business you're running, think of your top-tier pricing at the moment and think about if you suddenly tomorrow had to just double that and find that. It's quite it, – it's something that feels really nerve-wracking. It's mm. difficult. And so there's not just about upping the price doesn't doesn't just work. Um, for those out there who go, my secret to this is just doubling my prices. In saying that, if you're over-serving, over-servicing a type of client that you're underpricing what you're doing, doubling your prices doesn't not work. Yeah. But there is a there is a um, a nuance you need to accept around how to do that. I don't want everyone going out there and suddenly just changing their website to double or changing their proposals to double. I want you to understand why the process works. So we, we had a rule and this is because I'm a pretty stubborn person. Um, I think that's because I'm a Taurus, something about being the bull and an unmovable object with horns, something like that. I don't know, some astrologer told me it once. Anyway, <laughs> anyway, so 
this was the deal we came to because not only I wanted to, we gave the deal to the consultant, I made a deal with Lana that as soon as we get kicked back, we're going back to the old pricing. Because, you know, I'm someone who's, as I said, I've, I've lost sort of everything three times. I was, we were doing okay. It was starting to trickle through in the right way. It wasn't, we weren't going out and buying boats, but it was enough to it just, we'd replace Lana's um, wage and, I was feeling good that we were starting to make a little bit of money to invest in the company. Like we could afford a new website, like nothing special. Um, but for us, it, that was the whole world. At so the time, yeah, it was really special. Definitely. So I don't want to undervalue that because everything's as special at the time in which it comes, particularly when you're self-funding. So of course we try to double the prices and lo and behold, no kickback. Okay. That was frustrating but in a good way. <laughs> so we did it again. And we just said, why don't we keep doubling until someone kicks back? And so on the second double, we're still not losing. Like, okay, this is um, like you start to get that, the old saying that people call it imposter syndrome. I don't know if I buy into it, but I think that's what it's commonly referred to as like, are we ripping people off? Because mm. we were doing this same service for $250. It's now... You know, what are we, are we there? Sorry, I shouldn't say double, double. We went to 500, then we went to 700. Yeah. And then we went again and we started to feel like the conversations were becoming a lot more difficult. Yeah. And I, I want to say that there's not just the doubling of the price. We actually evolved the offering a little bit because we wanted to, when we started talking to different people who were interested in that service at that price, the feedback from these sales interactions from people um, that we were getting to talk to about it made us better in what people really wanted, what stuff was essential and what stuff really they didn't value. So we could actually tweak it a bit. So the the process of doubling our prices made us evolve. It was an innovation technique for us. That was really interesting for me because it forced us to evaluate what we were doing. It wasn't just about making more money. And I think when we ended up there, I think um, it's in the ballpark of 10%, but I think it was around $825 a week at the time. And we were essentially an outsourced um, marketing resource for marketing managers. So the funny thing was that we started off as helping small business because they have no time. So they saw us as a $125 a week um, resource. Oh, it is double because when you start at 250, it was 125 that went to 250. Da, da, da. Yep. Um, it was about quadruple anyway, uh, you know, whatever, give or take. My math is good everywhere else, but yeah, <laughs> you just have to, you know, take it as a close enough. But the evolution was that I believed we were capped and I was right. We were capped with the current audience that we were speaking to. When we started changing the pricing model, it triggered other people who knew that at that price it might be something that they would need because at the cheaper price we couldn't have possibly known how to run what they needed because they knew that was too cheap so they they unqualified themselves yeah so you had all these quality people we wanted to work with unqualifying ourselves because unqualifying themselves because of the price and that was a real eye-opener because we went from working for these tiny businesses and micro businesses that were basically always out of money, always struggling to do that, wanted a social media presence but really had no business doing that because they had to get their business right to 
we became an ex- extra resource for bigger businesses, marketing managers. So the niche that fell in was businesses that were big enough to have a marketing manager but not the resource to fill a marketing team to be able to execute. So we became execution specialists for marketing managers and they looked at it as not how much we cost, it was how much they were saving on a full resource. So they didn't give a shit paying $8.25 because getting an employee was $1,500 a week. So we were half the cost. So if they spent the same amount as say a junior employee, they got a team of professionals, people that were experts in every platform, people who had a track record in platforms, they saved 50% of their money so they got to use that other 50% as advertising. They freed up new budget. So the, the whole equation in the conversation changed. It's a value proposition. Yeah. I can get my internal resource, try and figure it out. If that person leaves, I'll have lags in my marketing. The marketing manager will be overworked or I can use a stable agency that's systemized in their execution, is data-driven, has all that. It was such a no-brainer but it only happened because we doubled our prices because – sorry, doubled our prices three times in a row because we were dealing with people who no way could afford that, weren't good clients because their filter was they can't really afford a service that we were offering which was a premium service at a discounted rate and it just doesn't work. So – Innovation was created by the money we had to make to make it a good business as opposed to just trying to get more from our current clients. I think it's really interesting um, just hearing how you're talking this time because we've, I've heard you have this conversation with a lot of people and that yep. immediate pushback of double your prices or increase by 10% because people just go, well, I can't do that but they don't put the evolution of the value proposition and the structure around it to support that new pricing? Yeah, and I want to be really clear with something. The doubling doesn't work for everyone because some businesses are they're commoditized by yeah. the amount of competition or the, um, the the alternative people could seek to f- f- fix that problem. So not everyone could just double pricing. But in this case, this was explaining how someone who's trying to be premium and charging themselves at a low end – for someone who's still premium in their sector, adding 10% is their equivalent of double. Yeah. So that extra 10% is so much fat in a commoditized type um, industry that if you can get that position, you're still going to get the volume and profitability you need out. So it's equivalent. I'm just saying double because yeah. probably makes a better clickbait type thing. <laughs> but, but really if you're sitting there and say, if I just added 10% to my current revenue number – and that was all net profit, would that make a difference to your life? And a lot of people, if they're doing volume at all, is going, actually, that would make a huge difference. That would get my wage up to a point where I don't have to worry about eating next week or doing that. Like there's, there's huge jumps there. But, you know, I mean, it's not just about increasing pricing. It's about understanding that by increasing pricing that innovation will naturally occur because you'll need to meet the market. Now... Here's the thing that people don't know. What was my danger in doubling the prices? This is where most people get scared. Losing clients. Yeah, but I didn't say I doubled the price for clients I currently had. And this is the difference. I'm a pretty um, conservative guy. Well, everyone seems to argue I'm not. But I (laughs) generally like to 
um, leverage my risk and I generally like to leverage the risk of anyone I'm associated with. I wasn't prepared to lose my current clients because we were doing okay. So the deal was we were double pricing but only for new leads coming in that knew nothing different. So my sacrifice was the lead, not the business. Yep. I didn't risk the whole business. In my 20s, I would have risked the whole business <laughs> but I'd learned that lesson, Nigel. I know. So who, who would have thought? I only had to learn it three times. <laughs> As a slow learner, you can start then to work out what would happen if you ran an experiment on your next qualified lead? Qualified lead, by the way. Because if you do it right, it can completely change the way you see the business or the possibilities of what that business could be. Because without the price rise and the increase in gross profit we had, there was no way we could have got enough volume through the business to start tooling up for the right people, the right infrastructure, the right tools, the expanded offices all that sort of stuff that makes it easier to run a business. You're self-funding through the profits of the business without having to seek external investment too soon or keep pumping in your own money. So for me, this is a topic. There's 20 different ways to create more money. I want to share this one today because I think for me personally, this was a real trigger point on how we should see the businesses and the experiments we need to run. But if you're someone who knows that they need to generate more money, first of all, simple, you can do a slight price rise. Most people don't um, increase prices regularly enough. I think we're still probably um, we're still uh, guilty of that at times. You know, it's just a hard one. It's one that slips through. Yep. But that's a good way early on. It's that whole thing if, if you increase your price by 10% and lost 10% of your clients um, with all things being equal, would you be better or, better or worse off? Um, if the volumes are the same, you've increased 10% capacity and increased your profit by 10%, you've bought time. It doesn't work exactly like that equation because some clients say are worth more and, and things like that but as a concept, you can work it out in your own business. But if you're looking that you need to earn more money, first of all, work out if your current clients are sending you broke, work out how to buy back more time so you can free up um, time for more dedicated sales efforts and then work out what you need to do to price yourself towards innovation so you can change the category of client or the service you need to provide to make it a sustainable business. Because once you start tweaking with that and you're no longer scared of that innovation, you become a very, very powerful business in your um, sector. And it's a tough one. I get it because there's a lot of emotion around this. But honestly, that was a breakthrough for us. And I, as I said, I pushed back really hard. But we found a way to run the experiment and it was um, game changer if not life changer. The thing I, I liked, um, again, everything you said makes complete sense to me, but the using the experiment on you is much easier and I think when most people hear you have this conversation, they go, I couldn't increase my prices or double my prices for my current clients and that's where the pushback happens really quickly. Yeah, just um, leave it. Yeah, and, and, and I like the fact because you're also – they're heritage clients for you. They're the people that helped you start the business. So being able to pay them the respect of going, no, this is your current pricing. Awesome. New people. And I'm big with that. I'm big with respecting the people that helped you get to this point because they trusted you when no one else did. 
So they're the last ones I want to affect and you will outgrow clients. That's a natural thing. Your business will outgrow the type of client you can service and I like keeping on the ones I like longest to try and help them out and return the favor. I think that's good karma if not what we directly call philotomo. Yeah. So that's how it is. The reason most people really get scared is because they're in scarcity and need more money and when they get a qualified lead, the last thing they want to do is run an experiment but that's where – that's the point where you get to choose whether to be bold and evolve or whether you choose to not be bold and do the same old thing. But it's at that moment when you're in scarcity and you get a qualified lead and you have to take that leap because you know that if you don't, you'll eventually go broke. And when you get to that realisation, you'll get it to either you are going broke or you'll get to that realisation that you're so sick of it, you're going to just try it anyway and that's generally a breakthrough moment anyway. So either way, I'm sure you're going to get there. But I, I guess I don't care how you get there. I just I, I want you to try it once because I know for those who find a way to make that work, um, it will be a game changer for them and I want you to feel that because once upon a time I absolutely felt like everyone else but a few fundamental shifts and new changes in the synapses and you realise, oh, I'm playing the wrong game. This is what I need to do now. Awesome. Thank you, mate. Uh, really enjoyed that one. I'm sure it's something we'll come back to once again. Oh, great. Direct feedback. Thanks, Nike. <laughs> <laughs> See you, buddy. Bye. Bye.